Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Constos Convos podcast. In today's instalment we have Mr Stuart Lundy, a true raconteur. Stuart has been a friend for many years and I always enjoy our conversations, hopefully you do too. Welcome ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Constos Convos podcast. Stuart, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. How are you doing? Yeah, all right, yes, Brian? I'm good, mate. Um, how's it over in Poland at the moment? Poland's good. Yeah, it's good, but it's strange. You know, it's a strange time we're living in, an interesting time. Uh, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice over here. Uh, Wrocław's a beautiful city. Uh, my wife and I are enjoying it. Uh, we're doing okay, as they say. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the coronavirus has affected us in a way, but... We're doing okay. We can't complain. It's beautiful over here, so uh, nice people. You're lucky you've got each other. Um, I keep on talking about this because you can't help but not talk about it. I've got like, friends who are dealing with this basically themselves. I know they're starting to loosen things, and it's good for people to kind of connect with people. I actually done my first social distancing photo shoot. I found oh, wow. photo shoot, okay. so that, that was quite fun. But uh, Sorry, whereabouts in Poland are you? I, you just uh, said that quick and I... Yeah, sorry, yeah, I've been Scottish there. I've just relaxed back into my native uh, <laughs> uh, speech pattern and my, my flow. Uh, Wrocław, Wrocław. So, kind of major city, uh, southeast Poland. Beautiful city. If you ever come to Poland, I'd recommend uh, Wrocław. Uh, used to be a German town called Breslau uh, until 1945. And then uh, because of the shifting of the borders became a, a Polish town. Have they got quite a lot of remnants from like, the German occup- the yeah, well, occupation? You, yeah, sorry, yeah, the architecture, that kind of stuff is still there. But like most of these major cities in Poland, uh, it was, I'll be blunt, it was bombed the shit out of, is the only way to put it. Uh, right, so okay. there wasn't really a lot left, and they tried their best to do the rebuild. But a kind of liberal cosmopolitan town, there's a lot of foreign companies here, Google, Amazon, uh, this kind of stuff, HP. So it's quite a good mix, good for tourists. You know, a lot of people will help you out. Don't really need to know the language. Nice one. Just for a bit of a background for people kind of tuning in, as uh, me and Stuart met each other working in one of the more infamous casinos in Glasgow. And yeah. uh, we really knocked it off. Stuart's a bit of a raconteur, bad <laughs> man, I think you'd probably best put in, but uh, love for movies, probably horror genre movies in particular. And... I keep on bringing you up, mate, and it's not for reasons that you maybe would think about too much, as I keep on going, harping back to the days of renting movies. Now, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. We, that, was, I, that was part of my experience, yeah. Yep, and I keep on bringing up because you actually worked in Blockbuster. Yeah, infamous uh, Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a Quentin Tarantino, I'm sure he worked in a kind of <laughs> movie rental place. But I, I just, even going back to the first podcast with Mark, and that was much more based in music, but we were talking about, you know, the change from analog to digital and how it's became so easy to kind of get things. And before you had to kind of, I don't, I don't, maybe you maybe read magazines, but I think most of back in the day, it was kind of recommendations speaking with people that maybe had similar yep. tastes like, oh, you need to check out this movie. You need to see that. And part of the, the final product, well, not even part of the final product, sorry, part of the, the full thing was actually finding these movies and telling people about them. And I know Netflix and everyone, oh, you've seen this thing in Netflix. We've all seen them, but 
there was something special about going to Blockbuster or Global Video, may it be, yeah. that you'd choose maybe five cheap movies for the week or you'd get the premiere for like two days. And I used to love going through and looking through them all, reading them. And you did, I think that you just savored stuff more now. I think that you just sit in front of watching a movie, you're picking up your phone now. It's just, you stop, you can go back to it. You must have seen some right good movies. And That's the thing. What was interesting for me was uh, Blockbuster. Again, a perfect job for someone who really enjoys films and movies. And, you know, the, every type, every genre, you know, it's all there. And it's the customer service side as well. You had people come in who were really interested. You know, they wanted to Fellow know. geeks. Yeah, geeks. Yeah, nerds, geeks. That's, that's okay. Call that's them. okay. Yeah, it's all right. I, I'll embrace my geek. I'll embrace, I'll embrace my nerd, as they say. <laughs> I've embraced a few nerds in my time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean? But uh, I, that's what I really enjoyed about it. What, what you said, we had a really good manager as well. Now, obviously, Blockbuster, very corporate. It's, at the time, it was big. It was massive, wasn't it? It was like everywhere, yeah. every corner, every street, there'd be a Blockbuster. And you're right about the, the anticipation of a Friday or a Saturday to have a basic amount of money. And you think, okay, we're going to get two movies, do us over the weekend. You had to make good choices. That was you the did. thing. You, had you to really make, did. Yeah, and you watched like, the shit ones as well. You're like, yeah, well, exactly. we watched yeah. it. We've paid for this. Yeah. You sat through it. You went, oh, it's a really bad movie, but I'm going to sit through it. It might be better. <laughs> yeah. I've always said that. I've always sat through I'm a bit like you, I think. I'll sit through a bad movie because you always think, well, there must be something about this that maybe I can take from it or there's some kind of idea yep. that... I don't think go, there's oh, been I, that many I've ever kind of turned off. I think maybe yeah. there was this one movie, and I can't recall, it was just a bit too intensely dark, which is very unusual for me because I can sit and watch stuff, but I remember like watching that. But I think that was maybe for my, my wife, Kirsty, as well. I just thought, yeah, this is not really what I thought it would be. I might go back and revisit that, but as you say, like, you kind of made that decision. You spent your money getting your ice cream or whoever, your crisps and your juice, and you sat down and... Uh, yeah, usually, it usually was yeah. the, the two movies and this is you sat through you watched it you couldn't flick off and go on if you weren't really enjoying it you persevered you know as you says just to maybe yeah. get that one that one nugget and the one was, nugget you look yeah one maybe good line of dialogue or some concept you thought that's brilliant that's a brilliant concept I like did that, you, you know what i used to do too is like uh, me, me and custom get quite similar tastes she likes kind of action flicks and uh, no i don't mean action flick more like uh grittier stuff uh, not so yeah. much your uh, popcorn action flicks but we, we do like some of the movies but I used to laugh because we used to get a horror movie but uh -huh. to, to counteract that we'd also get a comedy <laughs> the balance you know, yeah, I, the just balance, sometimes yeah. you're like oh, if it's too scary <laughs> oh, I'll put this funny movie on and it says it was just I was in Blockbuster sometimes for like upwards of half an hour just looking for stuff to an hour just like oh what did I get what did I get I used to like getting the big selection as well and get a bunch of maybe old school because you can get your yeah. older movies for cheap and it was good that if you got something, you'd tell everybody, wouldn't you? And you'd probably go yeah. in with recommendations. That was the thing. It was, that was what I liked about being a movie geek. You know, the idea that people would come in. And also, like, okay, you get the general populace, let's say, that come in and they want the blockbuster. They want the premiere for the Friday night. You know, they want the newest movie. Yep. And that's all they're looking for. And then you're right, you get some nice little nuggets or gold, you know, that someone walks in and says, oh, I really like uh, Asian cinema or something, and I like this kind of thing. I like German cinema. And you go, all right, okay, right. Well, we do have some things. I'll try and point you in the right direction. And uh, we had a really good manager. The store I was in, Kenny, was very quite open-minded. He let you have, like, maybe some a little bit of the wall that you yeah. could put your movies in. 
And yeah. uh, that was that was nice because you people would come up and go, oh, I really like this movie. You go, oh, if you like that, come on, I'll show you. You might like this. Yeah, so that was a good part of it, you know. And also, like you're saying, you watch people, you could see the trouble they had. You know, like you think you've got £10 on a Friday night and you're thinking it might be £2.50 or £3 for a video. And <laughs> you're thinking, you could see these people going, oh, right, okay, I've got to make a good choice here. You know, like, kind of, this is my whole weekend. And you think, yeah, well... I liked it. It opened my eyes as well. I met some people who opened my eyes to other genres, uh, and that was a good thing. Uh, you had to build up the trust with people, as I says, like a guy like you. Yeah. I remember that I was just starting to get into the old Vipco and Tartan movies and stuff, you know, ah, yeah. Cannibal Holocaust movies, you know, really say sort of early yeah. band movies, and you put us on a lot of good stuff, and I'd done vice versa. You kind of, you trusted yeah. the guy. I remember you used to go up to the counter sometimes, and you'd put a movie up, and the guy'd be like, good choice, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so you'd be like, oh, I'm going to maybe speak with him, you know, recommend. I used to take recommendations yeah. off guys as well, and there's certain people that says, once you connect with somebody, and if you were to turn around and say, Brian, you need to watch this movie, yeah, I'd watch it without hesitation and again there's just some people that you go they'd say watch this and you'd be like oh, i don't know <laughs> but do yeah. this why why do you like that movie you know like, <laughs> why do you like it mm, yeah that's yeah. quite a cool yeah. thing you're saying about the wall because they used to do that in one of the bookstores was it borders possibly they used to have staff tables yeah staff choice but, and stuff like yeah that. and they'd put that and again maybe you wouldn't really know people they could be different but i quite i quite like something like because if you'd seen a few maybe the ones that you would like it'd be all right yeah. oh, we'll go for a wee journey in here and see what this guy sort of thinks it was a different time as well like you're saying like you know the video dvd coming the dvd and that kind of stuff and you had these genres like you're saying tartan video this kind of stuff and like people would never have heard of this like if you don't point them in that direction they're never ever going to pick up some hong kong or korean movie you know they're never going to be interested in that until you say you really need to see this movie you like this action you say to someone, oh, you always get these action movies. You're going to love this Hong Kong stuff, mate, because like this is just 100% adrenaline. These guys choreograph a fight scene like you'll never believe. You think the Matrix looks good. This is where they get the influence from or something. You give them some kind of reference and you see people going, all right, okay. And you think, well, yeah, you're never, okay. I don't really like subtitles. This was the one that always got me. <laughs> oh, I can't really watch a movie with subtitles. And you go, oh, right. So you can read and watch something at the same time. Are you okay with that? Yeah. And you go, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same thing, mate. Okay, don't worry about it. You know. That's funny yeah, you said that because yeah. I've got uh, a guest coming on to the podcast, a good friend yeah. of mine, very similar back when we were both photographers and we both like similar stuff. And I remember we, uh, I took him to go see Kurtz and uh, Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the GFT. Ah, yeah, yeah. We were at college at one point and I'm like, we had the afternoon free and I'm like, Mate, I, want to know, I want to watch this Kung Fu movie. You like your, thing, your, your fight movies and that as well? And he's like, ah, we'll definitely we'll go. We'll go see it. And I remember we just sat down and the, the subtitles came up and he said, oh, I'm not watching this shit. <laughs> he's ready for, for running away and he's like, Mate, I can't, I'm not doing this. I'm like, sit down and give it. And granted, that movie is kind of overdrawn, but see the opening sequence? Yeah. The scraps and just says the... Yeah. The, how it's choreographed and he was spellbound and I'm like, and I remember coming out and going like wow just changed his yeah. perception of the movies and what you said there even goes you go back these guys are actually the pioneers because if you look at Quentin Tarantino who I love most of his stuff to be fair yeah. he worked in a sort of blockbuster he's seen yep. these movies and his whole influence is based upon you know the, even wearing the black shirts with the sorry the white shirts with the black ties and black coats yep. for Reservoir Dogs was taken from movies from yep. Hong Kong I'm sure or Japanese movies oh, it's all Hong Kong stuff Asian stuff you can tell that you know especially like I always think that sometimes his movies the conversations are like spaghetti westerns 
like the conversations used to have with uh, Sergio Leone's like spaghetti westerns, very kind of just normal matter of fact. Quiet as oh, well, yeah. maybe zooming in yeah. in somebody's mouth and heard the yeah. kind of, because what was that movie? It was Kurt Russell. Can't remember one. It's a kind of double header movie. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, the Death Proof. And, yes. Uh, and see the bit he's eating and he's eating for yeah. like, I would get, it seems for ages because you're like, all the noise and go. And I'm like, that was a kind of Sergio Leone, you know, they just see the guys a twinkle in their eye and really yeah. making a big thing of something that's small. Yeah, I, I think that's, you're right. But also, that's someone who's right into movies like Tarantino. And it's, it'd be like sitting, if you're into literature, it'd be like sitting in a library or, you know, like something like you're having this opportunity to pick up every book that you want. Whereas he can sit in a video store and you get your staff discount, you get your 10 free <laughs> rentals a month, you know, a, a, a week. Everybody wants to be your friend. Everybody <laughs> wants to be your friend, yeah. And that's who you get to see is your friends. And they walk in and go, oh, all right, sure. Uh, you go, I already have one, one book. <laughs> But what can annoy me is it's franchise, it's corporate. You know, it's the idea is it's all about the it's all about the dollar. And it was always like, oh, you get these ten free rentals a week. But they were always saying, Well, it's be better if you got all the premiers, you know, all the new stuff, because that way you can talk to people about it. And I was quite open with my my boss, Kenny, and he was the same. I was like, Kenny, there's no way I'm gonna get uh, legally blonde too. I'm just telling <laughs> you that now, you know. Says I can read the back of that. I can read the synopsis on the back of that movie and tell people what, what the movie is about, you know, and he'd go <laughs> like, oh, right, okay. And they know it was this, I would do this. I would, any movie I didn't want to watch, just turn it over, look at the back, and then people can go, ah, it's really good, mate. You know, it's like a follow-on from another movie and, you know, <laughs> telling ain't selling, all this stuff, you know, like, you know, yeah, yeah, it's, oh, it's really good, you'll enjoy it. That's like a, a, the essence of a salesman is it's soul-destroying trying to push something that you don't believe in. Whereas if I went like, listen, sure, I need a VIPCO representative for the West Coast of Scotland. I need yeah. you to go around the talk. You'd be like, oh, this guy's, you could sell, yeah. you know, Santa and Arab or that sort of stuff because you're, yeah, so, you're so involved. And just talking about movies, like, obviously I've got straight on because we had some, I says, some fantastic conversations. And that's part of the reason that starting this podcast up was like, I've spoken with so many different people uh, different backgrounds, blah, blah, all that sort of nonsense that I thought, there's some really cool, interesting stuff. I'd just like to record it and let yeah. maybe a few like-minded people to hear. And we're going back to movies and it's funny in what we're kind of living, not quite your uh, apocalypse. Yeah, this, this uh, is the worst. This is the, most, <laughs> this is the poorest apocalypse I've ever been through in my life, you know? Well, Stuart used to talk about when the apocalypse comes, I think Stuart fancies himself as a bit of a rogue leader, right? A leader of men uh, and women, right? That, you know, basically when the shit hit the fan, Stuart's assembling a team of folk that he believes that could be a collective that would see them through the darkest of times. And yep. if you never brought a skill to the table, you were kicked out. And I always thought, yeah. I'm like, shit, I'm a digital photographer. Yeah, you need to skill, yeah. shit. I'm, I'm just, I'm done. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just... Uh, I'm quite a big guy, so I probably could say uh, die in was, the first scene or something. I was actually going something. to say that to you. Say you're a big boy. You know what I mean? You're a big boy, and I'll, you've got to have that look. You've got to be in the front line. You know, <laughs> if I'm standing there, I've got to have two big boys beside me. You know, making the point. As long as you've got the Mad Max style haircut and the fellas and oh, the, oh, I'd be pure showmanship. I would uh, definitely hammer up, shave the head, yeah, okay, have a wee bit, a wee bit of uh, makeup used in something. Yeah, hello, okay, right, yeah. <laughs> But it was with you going like, we need some, we need some people who can work a Jenny, who can fix a Jenny. We need somebody yeah. who's a martial arts expert. We need this, we need that. What are you, you bringing? Just leadership. You know, 
I'm bringing leadership, mate. I'm, bring, I'm, I'm the glue that brings it all together so this community <laughs> survives and we can uh, start repopulating the earth again. You know what I mean? Like, you know. But the apocalypse came was just all you needed was now as a headset with a microphone to speak to people via Zoom yeah. meetings. And a cloth mask. That's all it takes, <laughs> you know, that's it, to get through it. Now, it came from, basically, I'm a child, I'm a child of the 70s. And in the 70s, you had some like really, really gritty dramas about, we were still going through the Cold War and stuff like that. So nuclear holocaust was basically, it was on the cards, you know, for like, people don't really get this like, logic. Not so much in Britain, okay, but we still knew that if it came to it, we were going to get it, you know, fast lane, cool port, this kind of stuff. It was a target. Even the bunkers that you grew up with from the Second World War, like both sides yeah. of the bridge we grew up in, I says, there's, there's bunkers in a lot of people's gardens where I stay to this day, you know, reinforced yeah. bunkers and things. Um, I actually put a, a, a photograph. Have you ever seen the Mine Watchers watchtowers? Yeah, the, the little, like, the little square, little Maybe huts, I... like brick huts, yeah. Which most people, you know, everybody I speak to uh, has got their own kind of memory from it. Most of it is uh, winching birds and drinking bucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But I was like photographing, there was always about, and it was actually a street artist who'd done a wee bit of spray painting on one, and I, I got some cool pictures, and I wasn't I'm like, I like to write a wee sort of side story to some of my photographs, and I'm like, I don't actually know what this is, and there's not a lot of information out there. When it comes to that, and there's this, just, sorry to stray off, but I... We, we definitely grew up where the remnants of the Second World War, where we had yeah. to worry. Like, my, my family's house, like, my granny's house was bombed during the war. They were taken down to the bunkers. So you had that, as you say, the Cold War. And Cold that's War. What, yeah. That's the same. It was the whole, it was the whole thing. You still had that legacy, you know. So the BBC was always, at the time, 1970s, early 80s, they, they produced some amazing dramas about, you know, the, what could happen, how it leads up to it, kind of what happens to society. But there was always a brilliant one called Survivors uh, in the 1970s. They did make a remake in, I think, the 1990s or 2000s. It wasn't as good. But uh, this one was just basically what it said about a flu. A virus kills something like 70% of the population and the rest are left. And there's always interesting stories. It's basically a human story about how humans interact. But the one line that I always remember is these people are talking and they're, they're found food and they're in an accommodation they're getting a community together they're feeling comfortable like life is okay there's just an old guy sitting there and he's going yeah we'll be okay we've got things we've got candles and the guy goes like the old guy just says does anyone know how to make candles and they're going no no we've got plenty he says what do we do when the candles run out <laughs> like, we'll just go and find some more candles he says what do we do when the candles run out shouldn't we start learning how to make things before they run out, so we don't. And, and that was just simple to me. I'd like, I went through my kind of life thinking, well, that's kind of true, you know. That's the idea of like maybe you should start to know people, or you should learn little skills, or you know. So my thing is always wanted to know a hunter and a butcher. That was just the two <laughs> things for me. The first, that's, that's the kickoff, you know. Find a hunter, find a butcher. I, th I think it's a it's a primal thing what you said there. It's like what you said is just a small thing, but it hits so hard. It's like as you say, what happens when that food's not there? And again, I I don't try and hide the fact that this show, you know, this podcast is heavily influenced by the Joe Rogan experience, his podcast, and he's he's a big avid hunter and he gets a lot of hard time for it. But he says like even my mum, lovely wee woman, she loves. Uh, her meat treats, you know, she likes a steak, yeah. she likes chicken stuff, but she loves animals and she would struggle. She can't think then. We have become so disconnected, as you says, these simple things like, what would you do? I think that's why fishing's so enjoyable. 
going out there and just the patience, the tranquility of getting and just waiting for that moment. Now everything's dopamine constant. We need instant fixes, but there's something really soothing to the soul that you take your time. And I think it says, I think we're so stressed out with modern day society that this COVID-19 pandemic actually has taken us back to maybe more of these simple things. Not that we're hunting and stuff, but I mean, oh. enjoying maybe relationships with people and talking and getting away from that frantic pace that we've been living. Yeah. I kind of I kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I get that. I get that feeling. You get people who, even though if it's uh, digital, you're still you're making connections again. People are are stuck inside now. They have okay. You never done it before because obviously life happens. Life carries on. But now this situation, you see people talking. Say, oh, I, I had a chance to talk to my cousin the other day on Zoom or you know some platform, other platform. Yeah. And there's still connections getting made. Okay, they're digital, but there's still connections. And then, like you're going back to again, yeah. People are going back to how do I amuse myself? That's the other simple thing. Like the people were stuck in the house. Oh, how am I going to amuse myself? And yeah, you have the you have the percentage of population who are yeah, yeah. I was doing yoga. I'm very mindfulness. <laughs> I'm doing mindfulness and yoga, making banana bread. It's fantastic you for know, one week, think. and then fell back week, in. Yeah. I'm just eating crisps exactly. and watching yeah, TV. You go, yeah. How long will that last for? Yeah, I'm doing yoga. Yeah, until you get to the second week, you're going, nah, I'm just going to perfect my beer belly and see what happens. I just keep on going back. This is that apocalypse sort of scenario you used to talk about. <laughs> it's just something that's funny. You just said that to me years ago, and I always think about that. And it is true. Like, what skills have we got? Are we too self reliant on others doing stuff for us? And, you know, I, I was like, what can I do? But recently, if, even for me, it's like everything's kind of been done digitally. I do obviously photography where I meet people, but I do a lot of um, my post work and, you know, my marketing and communication via digital things. But I'm actually going back and a big thing I've been doing recently, I'm starting to work with wood. Okay. So I've got a wee garage that I'm doing wee bits and bobs like that. I've ripped apart my garden. We're doing a lot of slabbing. We're building walls and stuff. And see, just learning how to build like a simple brick wall. It's yeah. amazing. And it says, cool thing is how you've got YouTube that you can actually learn. So you don't even need to rely on other people to kind of do stuff. So my big thing is my, my son, this is, and this is another recurring thing is that the video games that it's really going to, do we go down the matrix way that everything's in the simulation? Because you're playing video games that are so real that you forget what basic human needs of fresh air, a bit of quietness, a bit of exercise yeah. that make you feel after you do a hard day's work, you can then chill and maybe watch a video and you enjoy that downtime rather than not deserved it and just been watching videos all day and you're like, oh God, man, I'm a fat bastard. I'm just self, yeah. self-loathing and I come back in, you know, oh, I quite enjoyed that wee bit of sunburn and yeah, stressing, yeah. stressing the muscles that I'm enjoying. I'm going to, my sleep tonight will be dynamite, you know? Yeah. I think it, I don't know. Sometimes I think it's like, it's like that going back to basics. You, know, you said like sometimes going back to the simple things. Um, like this is what happened during the, this situation. My wife and I, we have a garden attached to the flat, uh, which is quite unusual uh, in this area. Where it's, we have a lot of the flats. They usually have allotments in, their, in a different area. Right, okay. But uh, the flat that we have, it, there's a garden at the back. So we decided like, okay, let's get serious and like we'll tidy it. We'll start planting stuff. We'll rearrange, do a bit of landscaping, and you're so it's so true what you just said. There, it's like the idea of uh, on Saturday we went out at two o'clock in the afternoon and came back in at nine o'clock at night. Seven hours in the garden, just basically Zen-like. working away. Yeah, yeah, and it's and you think because you do your mind's just concentrated, focus on one thing. You think, okay, I'll get this turned over. I'll get this. I'll get these bricks moved. I'll, 
and then you're right it's the sleep of uh, the sleep of the innocent I don't know because physical labor is always going to be that way isn't it you know you don't really have to think too much about things you're basically just using your body you don't have time to be existential which is the the problem I think nowadays People yeah worrying about bullshit basically you know just yeah just getting down and using your mind and body to perform it was actually somebody says and this is me to a T like there's something really freeing about directing your focus just to one thing. Now I'm sitting and you're multi, you know, you're looking at your phone. I would phones always that sitting there, TVs on, people shouting. See that way that you just get something you can focus on. It really does pass the time in such a peaceful manner that yeah. I'm wondering if, like, to touch on what you're doing just now, like you're working, I believe, as an English teacher. Yeah, English teach uh, English language is a foreign, you know, it's a foreign language. So uh, teaching English is a foreign language. Yeah, and they so can understand your broad exactly Scots. my Scottish tones. Well, that, that, yeah, when I first started, when we first came across, my wife was doing this. She that's the reason we came across. I uh, started over here in a customer service job, English speaking customer service job. Didn't like it. Getting uh, the, the thing was the rate of pay here is not really no. uh, as good as the UK. It's good for Poland. That's the thing. Uh, but it's not as good as UK. So we make, kind of made the decision. I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try this. Uh, native speaker, I'll try teaching English. Went for a course. Before that, I, I'd done some conversation with groups and individuals. They wanted to speak to a native speaker, so quite happy to do that. And I'm the same as you. I love it. I meet interesting people. Uh, usually people who are trying to learn another language, they're usually quite interesting to start with. You know, they want to do something. It's yeah, they push themselves, don't they? they push, it's intrinsic. They want to do something. They want to kind of like learn this and to maybe get a better job or to go traveling. Or So it was always good. And I've still got students that are from last year that we just will meet up uh, and we have like an hour's chat. Awesome. Talk about politics. Yeah, we talk about life and... Politics uh, and then you start fighting and rolling about. Exactly, and... yeah. Yes, well, exactly. It's native speakers, you know. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, strange world. No, most of the time you'll find these kind of students, they've got more of a liberal mindset. You know, that's the good thing about them. You know, so when you talk about something, they're more likely to be open to it. Talk about, especially politics in Poland just now, kind of a little bit strange, leading towards uh, nationalism and this kind of stuff. You know, I talk. think there's a there's quite a big thing. I think part yeah. of the world that we're moving very quickly, that people tend to like routine they're not a big fan of change. So I just yeah. think that sometimes you just get that pullback. I think we are moving in the right direction. I just think people are maybe just, as usual, just taking it to extremes that's frightening and scaring people. So I understand where people are coming from. I just like to think that talking and communicating with people will kind of, you know, help push us. Because I think right now, like, when have we ever had this sort of information at a fingertip? It's just too much. It seems to be that's the, I think, I don't know. I'm, di- I'm a different generation. I was 50 last week, 50 on Wednesday, right? Half Mate, you don't look it, all right? Don't look 50, I know. No, you, you look a wee bit through. older. You're a bit, you're looking about 53. Better, <laughs> better living through chemistry. That's the way I'm saying. Pickled and preserved when I was in my 20s. I'm a child of the 80s and the 90s, so you can guess, take from that what you want. Well, but, I mean, um, I'm, I'm the 80s as well, because I'm, I've just... Just a pop. Just I know, mate. What you're talking about. I'm, I'm closer, I'm getting closer to 50 every day, but... <laughs> we are lucky that we kind of had that innocence before this came to because I think the kids are really going to struggle, as you say, is like half his podcast is me going, oh, the good old days. You know, I know yeah, this. Why not? Yeah. I honestly believe that the younger generations are not connected with basically being outside, you know, and doing yeah. things where they're not constantly 
you know, connected. Like, I'll, I'll do weddings and you see young kids, like, they can't sit. And it is difficult for them, but they can't even listen to a sermon or do certain things. So the parents have got them wired up to phones yeah. and tablets that they need to watch yeah. stuff. And I'm like, is that... I think there'll I think there'll be a lot of uh, mental health issues going forward. And as a guy says, like before, it used to be how physically gifted you were, pushed you in life. Maybe if you'd done sports and stuff, and you could look you at. Or he was lucky; he won the genetic uh, lottery, where you know he's yeah. tall, he's athletic, not short and dumpy or whatever. But now this guy had spoken about. It, he says it's going to be the mentally stable lottery that you're not wow, going to have okay, dealing yeah. with depression and stuff and people are going to realize what's important and things and again i just think that the physicality is is getting taken away from a lot of kids now through people maybe a wee bit of paranoia letting their kids free like you probably grew yeah. up in a time before me just that one generation before that you used to drink lead paint by the pint yeah you know what i mean and, just eat lead paint uh, <laughs> muddy water uh <laughs> You know, hang from trees from about twenty foot up and think this is all right. This is but you okay learned things, didn't you? You learned. Well, you learned if you. Yeah, I think it's the ghost. I was like that. Is it Jackass? Remember Jackass? That uh, brilliant. TV series? I did love it. Is that me, a Homer Simpson type guy, laughing at somebody getting kicked in yeah, the nuts well, maybe, and stuff? I don't know. But it's the theme song. You know, like if you if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I mean, I always liked that because I thought that's what that's a child's thing. You're going to fall. You're going to fall, hurt yourself. And that's it's the learning process. That's that's primal. That's human evolution as well, isn't it? Like you, the whole point of don't touch the hot thing is uh, someone's telling you that through experience. But as a child, you're going to touch the hot thing, burn your fingers, and then realize exactly. Oh, that's not. I think you so, you need to do something, don't you? It's like with this podcast. Like again, we'll, we we had a a technical issue there, and <laughs> I, I'm learning as I go. But I could research and find out and try and. Tweak, tweak things till I got it perfect before I launched this but it's like yeah. you just got to dive in and learn and that's the best way to learn is on the job and getting your hands yeah. dirty not, you can sit and do all your homework which I did use a lot of my time you know to learn a recording and bits and bobs that you need to do but you just got to do it and my friend says like he says that wasn't too bad blah blah and I says well mate I says if you probably listened to a lot of podcasts when they first started they weren't that good either and I says that's yeah. how you kind of evolve and Get better, don't you? Learn as you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I I find it's I have over here in Poland. There's a different attitude towards like going through like childhood into like your teenage years. Usually, university is the key. It's to get to university and going to be. So when I tell people sometimes about my life story, it says, "Oh yeah, I started in the shipyards when I was 16, doing an apprenticeship." You can see shock on their face. You know, like, oh, you you worked started working when you were 16, and you go like, "Yeah, yeah, I was doing the thing called an apprenticeship, and you learn the trade and." You know, it's four or five years and you're uh, working in the, like the heavy industry and they're like, oh, as a 16-year-old. And you go, yeah, this is the thing. Your, your attitude now is that this they shouldn't be uh, subjected to this or open to this. And you think, well, no. Yeah, the cotton wool sort of effect, doesn't it? Is... Yeah, you think they should be. You know, I'm not saying like every child should be put through like a Spartan upbringing or something. You know, like they're a gog or whatever it is at seven years old, ripped from their mother's grasp you know and send it into the wilds maybe i don't know it might help some people i don't know but you have this thing where you you can t you can sense it you know and you think well the child's not been experienced enough it's not experienced enough for the outside or other people or and it's a simple thing you'll know that maybe i can see from you and your family and probably your upbringing that uh, being polite in manners is always a good thing and i see this sometimes in children they don't seem to have this as much a wee bit. Yeah. 
I think it's because they're so used to interacting with digital and the way they talk to other people and maybe the way they're being talked to. Sometimes you're, you're listening to conversations, you go, wow, in my day, and I know it's happened. I know we are the old time. guys in my day. We had yeah, my day, yeah, my day, I'd be six foot across the room by now, you know, <laughs> picking up teeth. You know, and I, I don't advocate that, of course. You know, I don't advocate, I don't advocate physical abuse. I'm just saying this is, there's other ways of maybe teaching your children, other ways. A wee of bit of resistance, a wee bit of pushing yeah. out there and learning that yeah. mistakes are good if you're learning from them. And that is me, and this is, yeah. I, I, I keep on, it's not that I push my kids, but I do always like after they do something and I'm like, does that not feel good? You know, you were scared there. And, yeah. you know, we're keeping your eye, not asking you to do something that, is overly dangerous or silly and stuff, but I says, when you go out there and expose yourself to these harsh things and you overcome things or even learn it, it's such, it's a, an amazing feeling. And you you worked in the shipyard and we know back in the days that it was a very tough environment. Like I, I worked there very, very briefly and probably the tail end of that sort of bygone era where it was very tough. You had guys that First tea break wasn't for tea. That was uh, yeah, yeah. shooting a can of lager during you because you were rattling the day before. I, I told uh, some students a story about what we called the Monday Club. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And this is basically just functioning alcoholics who have made it to work on the Monday, get through the Monday morning, and then they all disappear by the afternoon uh, because they, they're rattling. They're just, they, there's no way they can carry on with their day. No, they needed they, to people, set themselves straight. Yeah, they just they would disappear. And the thing is, like, Everybody would know this. This is the thing as well. It was ex- not accepted, but your gaffers, your foremen, your managers would, you know, come up and ask you, as an apprentice, you're supposed to be paired up with somebody. And when your tradesman disappears on the Monday afternoon and just tells you, go and hide, go and hide somewhere, you know, you're <laughs> like, what? What's going on here? Yeah. And I'll be honest, born in Rock Hill, moved away from Rock Hill at seven years old and went to Erskine. Now, if you come from whatever, Glasgow or something, Erskine is the boonies. Erskine is this new town. It's out in the country. It's got woods, it's grass, it's got, you know, cows and sheep. And you think, what is this? This is crazy. So I did have a quite a good childhood. I was sent out in the morning, let to play in the forest in the woods, jump about, do that kind of stuff. So going into the yards was a massive shock to me. You know, I wasn't from Govan or Partick or, you know, like Pollock or Clydebank. It was a massive shock. I was quite a funny, polite, Wee boy, you know, you're still to that day, mate. You're still, you're still that wee boy. I know, but got a bit taller now, a bit greyer. <laughs> but so it was a shock to me, and it was always interesting because I, I, I'm not advocating, and this is what this is the what at the time, this is what it was. The, uh, was it the past is a different country? This is a different country we lived in the 1980s. I was cheeky, I was quite funny and cheeky. I was small, light, always try to be cheeky to people, see how far I could take them. And I realized that uh, in the shipyards. It only takes you after one sentence. That was the thing. You know, the, first, the first time I was cheeky to a guy, he just punched me straight in the face. Old, old guy just punched me, my, my tradesman, punched me straight in the face, knocked me on the ground, picked me back up and wow. don't ever talk to me like I get, son. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I've learned, okay, I learned my lesson, right? Okay, yeah. right, yeah. Don't it's ask funny, you saying that is like my, um, my father-in-law, he went in the shipyard when he was 16 as well for his apprenticeship. Yeah. And just last year there, he just retired. So wow, his whole okay. time, so he's been in from, again, a lot older than you, so it was even gruffer and rougher, wow. to whereas it's totally just turned over. Like, my wife, obviously, she works in the offices in there, and, you know, you can't say certain things now. They, they drink, there's zero tolerance in drinking. If you, yeah. like, I know a few guys that like a liquid refreshment that 
working there and you do not drink. You do not go around to the clubs and pubs yeah. for a pint and lunchtime, which they all used to do, or sneak that away. Fine, yeah. You will lose your job. So things move on for the better. But um, I says that place uh, definitely produced a few characters, guys that I knew, even famous guys like Billy Conley. That he says, he says that's where he learned his comedy, you know. It's the thing you had to. I, I know it sounds straight, but there's so many strange people. It's such a like a eclectic mix of people in this place. I, there was a, a person, Mr. Ed, the talking horse, right? Mr. Ed was his name, <laughs> right? The talking horse. This guy had four degrees from Open Uni. Four degrees, right? And you think he works in the shipyard. And my logic was, if you've got degrees, why are you still here? What, what, what's the thing? He just loved knowledge, right? See, to work with him, he just could talk about anything. But that was the thing, he could talk, right? So when it came to like union meetings or meetings with the management, He'd get pushed over just, the line. <laughs> yeah. People just nudge him and go, ask a question. He'd be like, I'd like to ask a question. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> 40 minutes. No wonder the shipyards are dying, and as they say. But yeah, so you had this eclectic mix, you know, and this was the thing. You met people that were so funny, like sarcastic, dry wit, you know, fall about humor. There was people who do, you know, like fall about gags, guys that could fall over, roll over, stand back up again, like Charlie Chaplin or like Buster yep. Keaton. And you went, this is amazing, you know, and old guys. Guys you work with that, like you said, that have been there for like 30 or 40 years, you know, and you thought, right, how can you keep doing this? Because I'll be honest, after five or six years, I passed, I went through my time, got my papers, stayed on for another year, and I kind of realized I don't really want to be doing this for the rest of my life. This is going to kill me in some way or other. You know, it was, it, I had two or three incidents where I thought I was going to die, you know, like, Health and safety wasn't the biggest biggest thing in the world in the nineteen eighties, you know. So no. like certain things, and I was going like, I'm okay. I'm not clumsy, but I know that one day, you know, there's other clumsy some, people. <laughs> there's other clumsy people, or someone's not done this right, or something's going to happen, or yeah. So I realised no. So I went to work for like fabricators. I went to work for the blacksmiths. Really enjoyed that because you're more hands on. You see a job and you finish it. You know, you're not working producing something. Working. Yeah, in a shipyard, just you work on something, but it's it's, a it's so small. small if you like, yeah. yeah. So you get this. I went away and worked with a couple of blacksmiths. Really enjoyed that, getting some skills and stuff like. That. But I knew that ah, working with metal was okay and stuff like. That. And yeah, if I'd stuck at it, I'd probably be a completely different person. But I always kind of look wanted to look and see if there's other things out there, you know, and do other things. So I think you're good yeah. being around you, Stuart. You know, we're working in the casino that we had some amazing chats. You know, we used to you used to drop us off back down in Clay Bank and that was maybe like half an hour that we used to like love the conversations we used to have. And I think you're just one of these guys that you kinda I'm glad you're falling into stuff that you can meet new people and stuff because people instantly drawn to you. You know, I even go on your Facebook and yeah, people that you've obviously come across in your life, they're, they're just, they're silly with you. And I can tell that yeah. maybe there was just a wee brief moment that you've maybe worked together and you just get that instant attachment with people. And that says a lot about you rather than maybe having that welder's mask on and yeah, not communicating people and very insular sort of activity for most part of the day, you probably would suffer mentally, even taking out the physicality of it. I think so. It's a very, it's a very physical job. Also, I get the thing we we go go back to what we said before. You know, if you're physical, you're not so much existential. You know, you're not thinking too much. You're thinking about the job and you're zoning and you're focusing. So it doesn't give you that time to think. But there's some beautiful thinkers in these industries. You know, I mean, seriously, like. It's like philosophical sometimes when you sit down with some of these people and these old guys talk to you. Oh, without a doubt, mate. Yeah. 
and it amazes you. But going back to what you're saying about meeting people and like, I've always been interested in people and I've realized that the key in life is, is when you meet people and you talk to them, it's always good to get them talking about what they're interested in. Yeah. Because then they really want to talk. They open up, don't you? You can physically see that relationship just poof. It's like a, it's like the, the train that, you know, the magnetic plates just pulling together. Cause I'll see people yeah. like, I'm the same as you. Like I've, I think why we're quite similar is even to this day, like obviously I've been a photographer this long, but I've done a lot of stuff through my life. I've worked in factories, done the shipyard, retail, just tons of different jobs. I always look back, my favorite times are the, the relationships that I have with people. But I say some of these places I've worked, like, I don't know what people think of me when they see me, but usually a bit different from the usual person from Claybank or Glasgow, but especially back in those days. But uh, some guys would just be naturally a bit wary of you and a wee bit angry. But see, once you connected, when they found out you like motorcycles, I liked, not that I'm a motorcycle, but I like seeing them build, or you just find that common ground, you know, yeah. through photography. You're a photographer. You see them open up. It's literally from a night and day thing. And I think yeah. people just like to connect with people. And I, I just, how many people have met that started off quite a shaky way that yep. if you find that a couple of things that you find in common ground, it's just, as it says, it's just like that two magnetic things pulling together. No, I, get, I, I totally agree with you. That's the thing that they're saying. It's like you find, like people say about kindred spirits or something, you know, like the idea that you, you find something, even it's something that you know a little bit about, you know, and you think, oh, it kind of interests me. If someone talks about it with interest. Yeah, passion. You're getting all, yeah, you're getting passionate. You're getting all this information. You think, oh, I never thought about it that way, mate. You know, I never thought about it, you know, in that way. And, you know, that, oh, that's kind of really opened me up to what you, you know, what that is. Even if it's something you think you've got a, a negative opinion about, if someone gives you their side, and you think, wow, oh, it's, you know, right, see, I've never really thought about that. And you see this connection, people go, oh, I can talk to you about this. It's okay. Or you can respect them for being different in a way. Different, rather yeah. than, I think I, I've been seeing a lot online where, you know, politically things are becoming really pulling apart and going in different directions and I just I get caught in it too you know you just you argue with people because you see something that's so ludicrous or something that's totally against your thing is we're just not connecting on that common ground anymore it's like everybody's no. got this stance and they never want to kind of meet in the middle yeah, it's a digital buffer sorry but uh, this is my thing just now it's this digital buffer see if you're sitting as a keyboard warrior or a keyboard philosopher and, and you don't have a chance you don't they're not seeing anybody face to face. Not in the they're real world. Brave. Not in the real world. And it's easy to be brave and easy to be opinionated. And I do like a comment I've seen recently about, yeah, I, I can respect your opinion and stuff like this, but I also respect my opinion that I'm a, I want to punch you in the face. And you think, don't want to go back to physical violence, but it's the thing of like, when you're having a debate with someone, you can't be so offhand with your comments sometimes if you're face to face. But if you're on the keyboard and you're 10,000 miles away, uh, it's easy to be, you know, ah, you're an idiot, and you go, and that's that. Why that's why I think there's no common ground. that's so polarized. What do you, because, well, we done that. No, oh, sorry, we done that. Just to emphasize that that this has actually happened to us before. Because what other scenario does this exact same thing? Road rage. Now you're in your car. You're yeah, not. Yeah. You're you're protected if you like. Yeah, you know, until the guy and, stops and then. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. oh, but oh. you see, you see people get really angry and pent up that you wouldn't get if if you had that threat. Not said you said you like the threat of violence, but you're generally just you're nicer to people when you're around them. You know, the eye contact and stuff. But yeah. in a car too, you get that. And sometimes I catch myself. I think just the last few years, you start. I'm starting to mature, and I, I, I try and think of other people's situations. And I've been just that guy screaming and getting angry, and I'm like. I said, well, this is no good to me, and what am I doing? And it was just that thought of, 
that's that you know that safety thing you're just taking out the natural situation and as yeah. a human you probably just don't know how quite to to react and you're over stupid stuff and i used to say to one of my pals is uh, he used to love driving fast and that i like, mean you gotta relax a wee bit and he says i'm a cracking driver i says but not a lot of other yeah. people on the road are cracking drivers as well yeah. as again like we fly about these cars like what does it take to lose your life or somebody else's life you know yeah. a kid crossing the road or you hitting another car and it's just i think that if we're taking our, a natural position and putting another one it just we just don't know how to take it and we just act very irrationally you know i think that i can see that sometimes through the like that youth thing when you're young and you're immortal that's dumb sometimes <laughs> yeah young dumb and as they say for i come young dumb <laughs> yeah, yeah name the movie what's the movie that one young dumb and full of come johnny utah. utah johnny utah man you're just young dumb and full of come point blank Point break, mate. Point break. Point, yeah. point blank. Yeah. What's point blank? Is that John point, Cusack? Gross, gross point blank or something. Gross point blank or something, yeah. Yeah. Johnny uh, Utah. Yeah, Johnny Utah. Johnny Utah, yeah. The bromance, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. But this thing about, like, this is the youth thing, like you like said, driving fast, doing things that you test in the envelope, as the pilots say, or we're testing mm-hmm. the envelope, you know, and you think you do that. And then, yeah, sometimes that's what I realized with going back to talking about the shipyards. Sometimes I realise I can't take that step. I know what's going to happen. You know, I, I'm going to. This is this metal jungle that I work in, which basically what it was. It's <laughs> a metal jungle. Everything wants to kill you at some point. You know, there's machines from the 1800s that are desperate for you just to get too close. Yeah, come in, come in, son. You know? <laughs> like, oh, I'm not going to do that. So you let you realise this. You know, I, I I still tell a story. I worked with a squad, and they're called the erecting squad. Very phallic kind of thing you know the erection squad the erection squad yeah. <laughs> but they, they basically just put the ship together and the old ways they, they would put the ship together right i think not one of the guys in the squad had 10 fingers everybody they all had like digits missing you know like <laughs> all right eight fingers seven fingers guys like all right son and you're like well what happens to your finger ah yeah you'll find out and you go i don't want to find out mate i really like <laughs> digits you know that was my grandfather my grandfather had I'll probably be corrected here because I always get my facts and figures back to front or just plain yeah. wrong. But uh, he was missing two and a half fingers, I think. Two and a half. I think he lost them in an, he lost them in an industrial accident and singers. Yeah. But he could roll a he could roll a a wee rolly. Yeah, his, could uh, he, yeah. One <laughs> hand. Like, yeah. Just weird three fingers or something. <laughs> Party See, tricks. The things, the things you learn. I knew a welder, uh, one armed welder. Uh, this guy was an amazing welder. Played guitar as well. Amazing. Yeah, kind of. But that's kind of thing that I realized. I was like, nah, oh, okay, I like I think you've, I've yeah, got. and yeah. some people like that. That Again, some people, you know, getting into the philosophy of guys who's like a fighter, they don't even have to be the most gifted, but they just know that they love putting the full thing on the line, that they're yeah. willing to die. And again, the old Joe Rogan analogy that he, he is like a fighter, but he gave it up as a very young gentleman, right? Because he says that he was starting to get, you know, hit about the head and he was seeing what other people were doing that he knew that wasn't for him. And one of his best friends says, Joe, it's because you're not a fighter. Yeah, there you go. You're fit, you're strong, you've got good technique, but you're not a fighter. You know that there's a guy that's going to be another, you know, across from you that's willing to engage with you and put everything on the line. Whereas you probably enjoy much other things that you're not willing to put that. And then it gets very dangerous. So... I guess that's a wee 
not, not a diss to his ego ever, but it definitely it is what it is. Just not everybody's wired the same. And it says, like, again, with me, I'm the same as you. As I'm, I like keeping things light. I like things jokey. And I always say that I'm quite fortunate that I'm quite a tall guy. You know, I'm quite a bigger guy that, don't yeah. get me wrong, then you've got the wee guys want to challenge after a few pints. Big in what you're saying there, but... yeah. It stops a lot of confrontations, even if you give them a wee evil eye that I don't have to go through that. Now, I've been in fights. I don't actually like the lead up to it. Once the adrenaline or it kick in, you, you can go for a, a good while. But I just don't yeah. like the violence. I don't. I hate seeing people get in fights that don't want to be in fights. That's one of my biggest things. So I'm fortunate I, that I don't put in yeah. a position rather than that small guy that maybe gets beat yeah, up. Watch it. Yeah, but he wants I mean, it though. You, yeah, yeah, and he, he's just he's he's re- he's ready to do whatever it takes. Yeah. I get to think, I, I was quite small when I was younger and I realised early on in life that it was always good just to hang about with the big guys. And I crack the jokes. Laugh. Crack the jokes, you know. Well, you, thought, could, yeah. you could be the joker, you could be the entertainer in the Apocalypse crew. Yeah, raconteur, yeah. This, yeah. The kids would come round and hear stories around the campfire, <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you a story, yeah. I realised that and I thought, I'm the same as you. I mean, I went through my teenage years and like I said about shipyards, obviously... It's all young Turks, you know, you come from different areas. People ask you where you're from. They're like, asking, that's the boonies, man. That's like, you're just a country bumpkin and stuff like that. You know, you're sitting like, with a bit of straw hanging in your mouth. What yeah, are you exactly. talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm like, all right, okay. And I was like, but I, I'm the youngest of six. I've got two older brothers, sisters and stuff like that. So I, re- I also realized from an early age that pain is just fleeting, you know. So if it came, if it comes to fighting, when I was fighting my, like, father, my brothers, my cousins, if you can take a few good digs and keep going, some people get surprised by this and you think, well, this is... A wee bit of respect, surprise. yeah. Yeah, so I, I had a few, like, you always try and test yourselves. And at the time, as member as well, it's the 80s, it's 86 onwards. We've got the rise of the, the, the casuals and the, 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 the acceptable football hooliganism, you know, that you dress well, you're going to dress well to have a fight here, you know. <laughs> I hate it. I didn't like that. I thought it was the, the most craziest time in my life. I like going to football. I like the tribe idea. I love the tribe. I love the idea of that, that you're part of this big, massive social Collective. gathering, you know. It's same, because it led on to, like, the raves, you know, and the music, and you thought, well, this is just another extension of this. It's just a big, massive tribe, and you're all doing the same thing. It was always interesting, because I, I wasn't, like, instigating fights. I wanted to be part of fights, but you knew that could, that would start to happen. You know, it'd be part of that. And I thought, well, it's, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to be okay. And a good story is always, I, I surprised my dad one time. My dad would always go to football as well. My dad was not a great walker. He had knee knee issues. He always right. had problems with the knees. And we went to football together. And I knew this was it was against the Marin at the old Love Street, and you had to walk down Love Street to get back to the train station. And my dad's going, like, "Oh, we'll, we'll go for a drink." I says, "We're not we're not drinking in Paisley, Dad. Right? Okay, <laughs> this is basically <laughs> bandit country." He says, "We're not drinking in Paisley. We'll go on the train and we'll go back to uh, Glasgow, or we'll go back to Bishopton near Erskine." He's like, oh, okay. So he starts to get slower and slower as we're walking. And like everybody's walking past us, walking past us. And uh, I'm going, like, oh, you need to hurry up a bit. Uh, you know what I mean? You need to hurry up. Because I've, I've got the spidey sense, you know, like the tingling. I'm like, yeah, you, you need to hurry up, uh, come on. He's like, oh, my knees are a bit sore. I need to rest for a bit. And I was like, oh, here we go. And I hear the bottles crashing. I hear the shouting. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is just going to become crazy. So I decide what I'm going to do is I lean across them. And like, I kind of, I'm over the top of them, like, two hands either side, just going, sit down, don't say anything, keep your head down. He says, what's happening? <laughs> like, get ready for this. And it's just, uh, just running battles, running past us, and I'm getting punched in the back, kicked in the legs. My dad's just going, what's happening? 
I was like, yeah, this is your fault. You know what I mean? Get your legs fixed. Get, <laughs> you know, get, move quicker, old it, man. Listen, Dad, you're not going to be an apocalypse team. I'm sorry. Yeah, no exactly, dead weights. Yeah. yeah. This is evolution, by the way. This is Darwinism. You've been left behind. You know? I wonder you're just saying, like, is, is it maybe just a human thing with, with this that we always need this release? So you had it with, the, the you know, you just said the football. There's lots of the guys were... I think lots of them are tradesmen or like white collar jobs that they just didn't have that release. And I often say that as well, like what we went back to is like, you need to release this energy. Yeah. And if we're sitting in front of a computer all day and stuff, you got to lose it somewhere. But lots of the guys are doing it in you know, better <laughs> ways, getting on these bikes, downhilling, uh, hill walking, playing well, five sides. Yeah, well, you see this, the rise of this uh, like jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu. Everybody seems to be talking about it, doing it. And you yep. think, well, it's perfect. You know, it's this sport where you're testing yourself constantly. Uh, you get a you get a release. You get better as you you know if you learn. And like this five foot guy can take on a seven foot guy and just basically demolish him. And you can see it's a good leveler. It must be a fantastic stress material. But yeah, I agree with you. People are going out maybe doing these activities. I've seen know. it much more in Scotland. Like and again. I came from Canada, so I could see a big cultural differences uh, from North America to like Scotland and stuff. And Scotland was very stringent. It was either like, you don't like football. I don't like football, yeah. That was a big thing in it. And I look at all these boys, like I genuinely do like football and this is even more immersive now that the boys are doing it. But I remember like I look back and I played football with boys that I didn't really know at the time, but you could start seeing like they don't like football. Yeah, and they're really having to play the sport, talk about it. You know, it's so deep in the yeah. grain of society, the west of Scotland, that you don't like that. You are discarded or whatever. Yeah. So you had these guys, but now, like, I'd done a wee photo shoot today, and I was in the park, and some people rollerblading. There's yeah. basketball <laughs> courts, but I just like so that goes back to like uh, I think I may have mentioned this before that. People saying, ah, the, the football teams are rubbish now because the PlayStations and stuff. And I says, well, yeah, but a lot of people are now cycling. They're yeah, now playing basketball. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just finding another outlet where Scotland probably get good because the whole five million of the population or whatever it was at the time were involved in football. Yeah. Or you're a, a, a virtual outcast. Yeah. I, I told that to my nieces and my nephews when they were doing sports when I was, when I was younger and they were younger. I always said, like, what do you enjoy doing? Oh, I really, well, nephews as usual, football, football. I'm like, do you do any other sports? I'm like, well, what do you Shut mean? Shut up, yeah, we are though. Yeah, I'm like, says, well, I'm talking about, like, how you develop yourself, like, as a machine, in this body, this machine. Doing sports, doing football is brilliant. See, if you do basketball, you do boxing, you do a bit of running or a bit of cycling. It's like, you're going to build up your endurance, you're going to build up different muscles, it's going to help you. I says, I bet you look at any footballer nowadays in the world, the different training things that they do, like this modern training system says you need to start using other muscles. Don't just concentrate on football. Mate, start doing other things. What you just said there is what I said in the previous podcast, speaking with a coach at Celtic and other fathers, like a, an Olympian that was speaking to and a, a martial artist that he now runs a club where the kids do parkour, they do skateboarding, they do judo, they do a bunch of stuff, but he was yeah. speaking about how you learn how to get the balance. I've seen that Conor McGregor, they were, I think he got a wee bit hippie, but they got this guy that gets you out in the woods and you jump about trees because you're learning balance. You'll start using muscles that you don't always use because if I go on a bike, like a big thing is I like cycling. Now I can start hammering the bike because your legs are building up. Your ass is getting a wee bit hard more skin. Yeah. You're not getting that saddle <laughs> ass. 
But then again, if you were to then maybe play basketball, start playing that with my boy and stuff, it's like you yeah. you don't use your arms the same. So it's, again, it's, we've got to use different parts of our body. You think yeah. like, I think this, I can't remember this other guy, we were going hill walking and one of the boys, I think he was more of a, he was a friend of a friend and he was shattered. But if you went up, he had, like, he had the muscles, he looked fit. I can't remember what he was into, but he couldn't keep up. Yeah. Well, we're like billy goats flying up the hills because yeah. you grew up there and you're, you're going. But if you don't develop and start using things, you, as you say, you're, you'll find yourself lacking in some departments. Yeah, I've always, like, all through my life, I've like tried to build muscle and stuff. I know what my, I don't know what the, 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 the description is, endomorph, whatever it is, or whatever it is. The, I'm the same as you. We're basically yeah. tall, thin guys, aren't we? Tall, thin guys, I'm fat, right? I mean, so I've just got, rather than turning yeah. muscle, it just goes, oh, if you get a nice belly and the uh, love yeah, hand, yeah, happening, belly, Brian. You know? <laughs> and I thought, but when they, the same as you, like hill walking, like hill walking, I'll, I'll walk all day. I'll walk all day up up and down hills. And like, okay, I feel it. You know, you feel the burn, you feel a bit of, kind of, of tiredness. but Because you're you pushing think, yourself. I could do this all day. And then it's when people say, do you want to go for a run? I go, no, I, I don't want to run. Why do I want to run anywhere? I don't, I can't run. And I know I, I tried and like, we're going, I'm going to try and attempt it again. Because you have like, to go over yeah. that pain threshold. Yeah. And it says like, I yeah. quite like now is getting older. I hated it when I was younger, actually. I never pushed myself in enough sports because I didn't like that feeling of sickness or the lactic acid building up. And with all this weather, like, uh, we had a couple of days where it was raining. We stayed in one day and I'm like, Cust, I'm getting a wee bit angsty. I need to get out and kind of burn off some energy. So we went to a golf course that's local to us. It's very, very hilly. And I'm yeah. like, we're going to do hill sprints. Now, I remember doing them in school and stuff. You just like, this is the worst. I remember I joined the football team. They were doing the, the hill sprints and I'm like, I'm not coming again, man. You know, you've yeah. ready for it. And I had that way that I was actually like, oh, I pushed myself without having anybody else there to do it. And I felt that sicky way and I actually quite enjoyed it. And when I was younger, I hated it. Now I enjoyed waking up being stuff, you know, and well, that sounds wrong, but you know what you I mean? Were. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fan of double entendres, but I like to slip one on occasion. Well, I'm doing, I'm doing the slabs in my back garden and they're big heavy things and I'm shifting, you know, tons of type one and, you know, the gravel and the sand yeah. and stuff. And I actually like waking up and being a wee bit sore. I don't know if it's psychological or physical. Or it's got to be both yeah. anyway, but I says back in the day, I hated it. And I think we're just too scared sometimes of pushing ourselves a wee bit to get the best that we can because that's where you grow, isn't it? And, but as much as we try, I think body types kind of come into play as well. I, mean, I remember when I was younger, I got worried about it. I'd seen like, the different genetic makeups of my brothers and like they were bears, you know, they're in the army and they were bears, you know, they were just beasts. And I was like, hey, You're the run to the litter. I'm the run to the litter. That's six of six, mate, you know, I think I'm the shallow end of the gene, the gene pool, you know, like, you know, I don't know, I don't know what DNA my parents mixed together for that one, but the joke in my family is I wasn't breastfed. That's the thing. They said I wasn't breastfed. So well, I've been there with you. I've been there with your whole family, and you're a gel that holds them together. I'm so sure as well. They all love your jokes and your comedy and things. And when I photographed That's your weddings, true. I could yeah. see a deep love because I think there's the age. Obviously, when you get my mum's uh, from six siblings as well, and you get an age gap, obviously. But yeah. there's certain ones that just kind of a bit more social or pull things. And this is, I've seen that with your wedding. Like, it was really nice because it was a nice number. And I just, I could see the affection, people looking at you, you know, your jokes. You're definitely out there when it comes to stuff. And <laughs> I, I definitely, I see that, mate. So, again. A strange sense of humor, yeah. We, we've all got our, our qualities, haven't we? Yeah. We're all individuals, you know. They get that thing you we were saying before. We all try our best. And like, 
going back to like talking about meeting people and stuff like you know that's the thing you make connections i kind of liked you i think like i liked you in the casino because like you, you had this big i'm not like bromance here but you had this big genuine like smile you know when you actually were found something funny you actually found it funny you know like everything you know it wasn't just this haha you know like you know compliance where you went like oh yeah that was funny yeah you actually went, oh man, that was funny and i was like oh wow okay he appreciates that joke right i was like right. and then obviously we're traveling back uh, from work we have a bit more open about your conversations and like you can talk about things you enjoy and you see there's an actual connection you go wow okay right this is uh someone i want to know someone i want to talk to and this is what i'm saying going back i've always had this through my life you know you have this thing where you sometimes you meet people you don't talk to them for like five or six years you meet them again and it's just basically like how are you doing what's happening what's the score exactly and, and it's a shame is again like you that says that's what we were talking about at facebook i see the amount of people that have came in and out of your life that it's quite heartbreaking in a way do you not know, think like i look sometimes and sometimes i just want to go on my facebook and just put you know what guys i don't see many of you but i just giving you a virtual hug or whatever you know because yeah, I'm yeah. So, i'd like to be more in your lives but again like my life's frantic with the three kids running your own business and stuff you don't get to connect with that and again that's i guess that's probably more the reason why i'm doing this too just maybe making a point of reconnecting with folk yeah you know? my, my wife makes this point she knows me now stuff like no that's a good thing she kind of knows me pretty well and she says i'm a bit of a lone wolf right Do you know what i mean i'm a bit of loner right i'm quite happy in my own company and like select company right so i'll meet people and get real interested we'll meet a, a friendship you meet a close friendship but also the back of my mind goes if I don't see you for a couple of years, I'm not really, you know, it's no big deal to me, you know. So, I'm, I'm, I'm really, the thing is, I am genuinely happy when I see you. I'm genuinely happy like, we've met again and we're phys- there's physical contact and we've done the thing. But part of my brain goes, uh, yeah, okay. Seems right, you, I'm quite great. happy in my, I think, like, again, I need, if I put myself out there all the time and connect with people, like, I'd probably need to pull back and regroup. Yeah. Um, and build up that way. And I guess that's, Sometimes you can do it too much, but it must be difficult to be in in Poland. I guess you're missing a lot of your family now. Are you started? Well, I'll, I'll give you this. It was difficult to start. Yeah, it was difficult to start to get used to it. I learned a thing about culture shock, this this uh, phenomenon of culture shock. You know, culture shock, they say, can happen to anything. You know, like moving to a new country, a new job, you know, no new social structure, whatever. Yeah. And, and there's like four phases supposed to be. The first phase is the honeymoon house you on time you go across it's like a holiday you go this place is amazing man yeah look the beer's dead cheap the food's amazing <laughs> people yeah this is amazing and you have that and then the second phase is uh, you just start to hate it you know you just get totally homesick you know like kind of third phase is like uh, this place is way better than your old place you know you start to get this really partisan you know ah Poland's way better than UK man Poland's much better you you know you go, you flip the yep. other way and then the fourth you start to you know integrate in a similar you start to actually realize that there's a balance and this is a good place. It's just as good as any other place. You get to know people, you move in. So I kind of went through that, you know, in my homesick stage was quite, it's quite hard, you know. Yeah, a lot of people give quite, up at that point, don't they? They just, that's they say that, yeah, they, they, they just say, that. Hey, I need to go back. See, that's the worst thing you can do as well because you've not really went through the stages, you know. No, you haven't you, given so a you chance. Yeah, you go back with a negative attitude to the place, you know. People go, oh, I didn't like working there. It's like terrible. And you go, well, you never really accepted it or embraced it or, but again, been here, stuck it out, met some amazing people. People, I, and going back to the thing about talking about like who you meet, and I met so many different cultures, so many different nationalities that I would have never ever in my life ever had an opportunity to talk to. Brazilians, 
they're amazing. They're just mental, you know, like kind of <laughs> pure death metal, like Sepatura. Yeah. Yeah, Sepatura, man. And it's like, and they love the football and like, met Italians that are just crazy about, you know, football as usual. But the nicest ones, we met a, a South African couple, right, that came, she's of Polish heritage, but this guy, Wade and Aggie, their name is, met a South African couple. Now I'm saying like 70s, 80s, baby, the UK, right? So our attitude towards South Africa is, quite biased when you look at the news it was a whole thing about like, apartheid and like this is terrible and white South Africans are all you know evil bastards and all that stuff right and I met these guys at a party and my wife Gosha brought me across she says oh this is Wade and Aggie they're from South Africa I says oh, oh, oh. it's a bit drunk I was like can I do my South African accent with you you know <laughs> this guy just went okay you know like, <laughs> like who's this like no like, he's a bit of a beast as well right so tattooed and stuff like that. and done my done my accent and He's like, that's brilliant. That's pure 80s South Africa. Man. He's like, that's, that's <laughs> best 80s I've ever heard. Got Pali. And then he started, there's the thing about cultures and about what you think and what your you know, initial feelings or thoughts are about certain people. And they're white South Africans living in the modern South Africa. They came to work in uh, Poland. Uh, he started pointing me towards documentaries, about books, telling me about his experience and saying, look, mate, things are changing. And okay, we, we were bad and we had bad times, stuff like that. But, no, bad people, right? Yeah, he said, like, yeah, but he said not everybody's innocent. So he started to point towards certain things. And I, I read and I kind of went, ah, can I, can I agree what you're going through? You know, I can agree. It's obviously times are changing and stuff like that. But you get to see the opposite side. You get to see a different, completely the, different The human of aspect of it. Yeah. Sorry, just like, just now there's been another um, African-American killed by a police officer, right? Yeah. So we're going through that sort of thing that these things keep on happening. And, but, you know, I, not to be controversial, but that guy was also very unlucky that he met, which is obviously a psychopath, that police yes. officer to slowly yeah. kill somebody like that is not just somebody yeah. that he joined the police and became a racist and stuff yeah. or whatever. That guy is clearly a psycho. With and it says a lot of things happen. That boy did not deserve death, but they're also painting it very black and white. Which you know, black and white. Whereas yeah, he's a it, yeah. gentle giant, and I'm like, he's a, he was also a career criminal. Yeah, he he had aggravated assaults. You know, pointing gun at a woman in a home invasion. Or for me, that's like to cross the line of breaking in somebody's house and robbing them at gunpoint. You're pretty low in the grand scheme of things. Does yeah. he deserve to die? Did they know that? No, they didn't. No, but you're up against it. Like you said, you're up against it. But you can't just say, like, say all police officers in America are racist, right? All blah, blah, you know, South African people is, it's, you've got to speak with people. And it says most people, that's why the more people you speak to is the more you like, I've got faith in humanity because most people are good. They maybe just find themselves in circumstances that are foreign to other people that we don't understand what's happening. And it's good that awareness is coming out, but I think not posting stuff on social media and actually just going out and being the best version of yourself and helping people, maybe biting your tongue a wee bit, just being nice. Because if you're nice to somebody, mate, you're generally yep. nice. Going back to the car thing, if somebody pulls yeah. in front of you, see if they give you a wee thumbs up or a flick of the lights, ah, whoever, you're kind of, you, you back let off yeah, and you're cool. Yeah. And if they don't, they're like, you bastard, yeah. I'm going to run you over. It's just yeah. how we are wired. We are very flawed creatures. So when you start to get to know people, it's like, you know what? Just say something nice, you know, maybe be that positive force and stuff. And it says, stop seeing things as black and white, you know, because I think like 
Israel, you know, Palestine and stuff like you can, that'll be two sides fighting forever if we keep on taking sides rather than finding that yes. yeah. common ground and taking it in a different direction. And that's what I'm saying is yeah. like no one group is the bad guys and one group is the good guys. They're mixed and they can be foreign to you because you come from a different culture or you've got a different thought process. But nobody's to say that the truth is a one-dimensional thing. It's, it's multifaceted, you know. And I hope that we keep on moving forward. And I think now with the internet and seeing the stuff, it, it will kind of start taking effect, but maybe just a bit too fast for our uh, primal minds to kind of take in this quick. Could be. I, I get what you. I, I totally agree with what you're saying about the. the we, we talked like you said earlier on in the conversation about information. You know, like children, teenagers, the, the amount of information they have at hand, and we've got to look at adults as well. Like the amount of information we have, and it's a changed world from like when we were younger. The idea of like free TV channels. You know, if you want to learn something, you could, you better go to the library and, and know how to pick up a book and like, try to fact check and have information that way. Mm-hmm. But because we have all this information, they really should be doing this as well, teaching people how to actually get the correct information. You know, it's not just the first thing. That is it as easy as that? Page, That's you know? it. Because you've got yeah. now, with, like somebody says, like Google, which for me as a business runs, it's fantastic to have, you know, for emails, communication, blah, blah. But if you yeah. actually look at it, they make the money most from advertising. So what pages are they showing you when you type exactly, in stuff? Yeah. It's and whoever's I, I, paying I, I, for I, stuff. And that's yeah, what I'm trying I, to say is maybe speak with somebody real or as you know, consider the source where you're getting it from. And yeah. that's a, you see that first thing that pops up snow is right. But then again, it is getting harder, mate, with you know, fake news and stuff that they can recreate. Like there's some videos I watch and they're like, Oh my god, and then somebody's like, That's fake and all that. You how would you know? How would my mum Yeah, exactly a seventy yeah. odd year old woman know the difference yeah. between that, you know, from coming she probably thought Clash of the Titans was amazing. Yeah. You know? you like, oh, my oh my God. God. How is I yeah. scared of that Medusa and yeah. these things? But nah, she was coming up, it was pretty scary. Though, wasn't it? Come on. it really yeah. was. And this is, but yeah. now these video games, like that's why they're getting so close that Elon Musk, that he does believe they're in a simulation. They says the next 10, 15 years that these computer games and graphics are going to get so realistic that you'll probably find it hard to know what's real and what's not. Yeah. yeah that's maybe like you talk about maybe one part of it that's a revolution anyway and it could be it gets to that source you know you see the whole people talk about dystopian futures just might you know this technology we're all hooked up to some kind of vr thing this is what we do you know this is our life this is how we work this is how we socialize that stuff. Mm-hmm. i don't know if it happens or not you know you think it's how it can but you know oh, it happens, it happens. That, look at stuart look at stuart yeah. get teetering into the conspiracy theories here yeah yeah i can I'll see the hair it. standing you know up in the back of his neck <laughs> you know what I'll be, mate. I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be out in the country in a like, little compound with a hundred meters of killing ground all the way around it. You know, waiting for you know. Don't bring your smartphones in here, boy. Don't bring so, your smartphones. Yeah. So what, what what's what's uh, what's in your future, mate? Are you staying over future? there? Are you going to start this uh, garden in cult. Poland and see it growing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always wanted to start a cult, mate. You <laughs> talked about this, you know. Is it going to be a I Polish branch? Are you ever coming back yeah. to Scotland? Like- yeah, the movements. No, we've a bit undecided just now. We're really liking it here. The only thing is that this, this situation has changed, obviously, as they say. If you want to make the gods laugh, first tell them your plans. So when you plan anything, you don't know what happens. So we're taking it as it comes. We don't know what's going to happen here. Uh, when we first decided on like doing a bit of teaching, we really had an idea to go to places like South America or something, to try something that you would never, ever 
obviously do in your life. You know, go to yep. some South American country, you know, Guatemala, Honduras, some even Chile, these kind of places. Teach English, get to see a place that you, you know, to live there, to, you know, be part of the community, get to know people. Not a holiday, you know, actually get to be part yep. of it. And, and then obviously, if you hope you can make some money, you go about a travel and see what it's like. So that's still in our, our minds just now, but we can see that also in Europe, you've got opportunities as well, like Portugal, Spain, these kind of places. Uh, we, we don't know. I kind of like it. With my wife, she's a bit OCD. She's the, she's the, she's the logic machine behind anything we kind of do. I'm the kind of, I'm the ghost in the machine. You know, I'm the like walkabout going, oh, what are we doing? What are we doing? What's happening today? You know? So she has the ideas. I go, ah, oh, okay, that's a good idea. But yeah, she's the brains, I'm the brawn. But that's the thing, if we work it out, see where we want to go, this is a good opportunity, it's a good time. I like teaching, I like meeting people. Uh, I know it is a joke, we joked about this, but other people have joked as well. It says, oh, do people understand you, Stuart? You know, do they, <laughs> you know, do, uh, what's it like, you know, when you speak? So obviously, uh, I've really had to watch how I speak. You know, I went from that really fast delivery you know, down to hello, my your name. posh is voice. My, my daughter posh calls voice, it. Yeah. She says, "Dad, why I, do you talk posh in your podcast?" Yeah, posh exactly. cast. Do you remember? It used to be just called your phone voice. People would say, <laughs> "Ah, what's your phone voice?" Hello. <laughs> but yeah, so you learn. I live and learn. I still need to progress as well. I, I I need to know that I need to progress with this. It's not just enough to get a certificate and then think you can teach. So I need to get experience. I need to learn from in different ways of teaching all this kind of stuff. So it's interesting to me, but again, I still have little ideas where I think I'd, I'd love to go back to do a bit of metal work. I'd love to go back to do something just physical and craftsmanship. So these are always things to do as well, you know? So I don't know, I'd, I'd like to see a bit of the rest of the world, see how it works, find if I can see if I can travel around the world and see if I can find a compound someplace that we can, <laughs> we can hold. We can hold, you know? Well, mate. Can we talk about movies? I'm sorry, I'm going to wrap up. I know you're going to wrap up. Uh, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, right? So when we talk about horror movies and apocalypse, right? So when it came to the zombie apocalypse, right? Uh-huh. I just went, easy, man, easy. Look at these guys shuffling about, you know, <laughs> like, uh, right? And it was the best movie that's ever changed my mind or really freaked me out. And that was tw- 28 days tw- later. 28 days later, right? When I sat <laughs> in for the first few. They, move, they move quick. I was like, shit, they <laughs> move quick, man. You need to change your whole modus operandi now, don't you? Yeah. Everybody, get in the van. Get in the van. You know? <laughs> thought, yeah. So that changed my way. It's like, if that happens, I like it. I have a few friends, like you said, on Facebook when it, this happened, coronavirus, they're all joking. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for the, the apocalypse to happen. I'm, I'm so prepped for this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens. Yo, I, it's <laughs> like, I don't know how to break this to you, but you've been dropped. You've <laughs> been dropping the team, yeah. We've got, somebody, on the door. we've got somebody with a bit, a bit more experience in your field now. <laughs> you don't seem to be as healthy as you were when we last talked about this, yeah. You seem to put on a bit of weight, yeah. <laughs> Work on okay. your cardio. It's been in. great tying in with you, mate, honestly. Yeah. And I'm the same as yours. You probably see, like, we'll just kind of let see what our future is going to happen because obviously this yeah. uh, has changed a lot of things for what we're going to do. And I'm sure you'll end your feet, mate. You're such a good person. Uh, to be around that, no matter what you do, people will be willing to keep you. You know, I think, I think, I hope so. Yeah, I think it's great. No, when you said you were doing this about the podcast, I thought it was brilliant. You said you've, you've got that kind of mindset, you know, and you think, well, okay, I'm going to give us a try. You know, what I mean, I'm going to go try and talk to people, talk to interesting people, 
you know, people that have, like people that affected you through your life. You know, that's what you really want. Absolutely, mate. Just yeah. something that I love. I'm like always back that I used to get in trouble for talking. Um, I've always enjoyed it. You know, even going out my teens and you're drinking, you just meet that person, you know, outside or you end up in the kitchen talking with somebody for hours upon end. You know, at college, you meet interesting people uh, traveling for work. Just try it. I know if some yeah. people will go, here we go. Here we go with something harebrained scheme again. But why not? I don't care what other people think anyway. So I'm going to do it and uh, hopefully it will continue. Hopefully see you back on, mate. And we'll maybe see oh, if yeah, you, I hope so. yeah. where you're at. I was, what are you going to, what's your title for this one? Is it like West of Scotland Conspiracy Theories? Like chat? Uh, just uh, gobshite or something. Just <laughs> something just, uh, don't overcomplicate things. Like that. Stuart talks a lot of shite at me. That's two guys talking shit. I think we'll call two it Two guys talking shit, yeah. Buncombe. Sheer buncombe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Excellent. mate. No, well, yeah, thank you very much. No, yeah. thank you very much, mate. It was great. And it says, uh, I'll reach out and we'll get another one going soon, okay? Perfect. Yeah. All the best to you and your good lady Goja. I hope yeah. uh, Poland appreciates you. Yeah, well, good luck in your endeavours. Uh, and it was fantastic, mate. Thanks. Okay. Okay, mate. Thanks very much. See you later. Cheerio.